Hey, everybody. Hi, I am Alicia Snyder. And I'm Mitchell. He's married to me. We have a baby who is hidden somewhere being taken care of. Um, so I have nothing to fall back on if I say anything ridiculous. I can't just like be like, look, cute baby. So hopefully I don't. But anyways, we want to know where you're tuning in from today. So just like throw that up in the chat. Um, where are you from? I'm from your house. We live together. All right. <laughs> That's a very silly question. We're tuning in from the studio. Uh, maybe you're at a watch party. Maybe you're tuning in from the couch. You can be specific if you want. That's fine. Yeah. Um, also, invite a friend. It's not too late. Send them a link. Um, text them. Quick text. Come yeah. to church, guys. I promise you know how to use a phone. You definitely do. I don't know. Probably like nine out of ten people watching do, for sure. Oh, it's got to be more than that. All right. We have a game for you. This is going to be fun. Um, I'm going to ask Mitchell these questions, but you are going to put your response in the chat. It's a game of would you rather. What would you rather? Um, my parents, fun fact, have never played this before, so I tested out these questions on them. The first one is, would you rather show up to watch party with your five closest friends in a limo, limousine, or um, in a bus with your friends? Family, family. So friends in the limo, family in the bus. Okay, so I got to ask myself, which one is closer to a dream? Like, which, which one is less realistic so I would, like, go for it? It depends. Are your family your friends? Well, I don't have that many friends, so I'd probably go for the okay. friends one. Fair enough. <laughs> what do you vote, you guys? Type it up, type it up. Um, the next one... What is the next one? These are my prompts, guys. Oh, yes, baby. Um, baby crying. I know this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Would you rather your baby is crying all through worship or you have, like, just you've spilled all over your Sunday's best? So we kind of get both, <laughs> usually with a newborn. But if you had to just choose one. So if we had the pleasure of only one happening, <laughs> yeah. then. No oh. spit up on your outfit. I would probably go with the spit up on my outfit because if you're strategic okay. with your okay. color choices and maybe it'll yes. blend in, maybe it won't even smell, strategic. Yeah, that would be great. Because then mm, you, it's just invisible. Ideal. You can forget about it. It doesn't have to be spit up, by the way, guys. <laughs> it can totally just be water or coffee or something. But anyways, um, ooh, this one. So would you rather sneeze every time you heard the word amen? Like, you just have to sneeze impulsively or cough every time you hear so good. Okay. you think you, you're in church. You're in church. So you tell me this. Yeah. You tell me this. When you sneeze, do you not feel this great sense of satisfaction and relief? But when you cough, it can be, like, painful, right? And people might get suspicious if you're coughing for me. Yeah. I, I, I think, that, I think that one's the sneeze hands down. Yeah, I think it's and then people say amen, and then they say God bless, because you just sneeze, like, bless you. It all just fits. It's like so holy, that yeah, one. Yeah, perfect. Like that one. Yeah, sneeze. I think we're on the same page about this one. This one's interesting, okay? So let's say you are filming, okay, for Slate Church. Would you rather something stuck in your teeth or in your hair? Your afro. In your hair. Well, um. Or in your beard. Ooh. So I just, I specify, because you have a beard. Hmm. Which I think I, really like. I think when I smile, I do smile with my teeth. So uh, I def do I smile with my beard though? <laughs> what is I that question? I don't know. Maybe maybe do maybe if maybe it's beard? like stuck back here or something. You can't really see it if I. Is that your choice? So yeah, like, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go stuck. Small. Yeah, I it's. I think depending on what it is, I I'd, I'd probably say hair because I, I feel like people don't really notice. They might think it's a part of the style for me like if it's an afro and they see something they'll be like oh she put like glitter in her hair so cool right like right, i can yeah, pull it off could, it could be interpreted as an artistic choice yeah i can pull off chicken in my hair for sure next 
Mm, ooh, this one is good. Okay. Would you rather spend a day in heaven, come back to earth, or a day walking with Jesus on earth? As is 2021, Jesus is right there in the flesh. Okay, so I, I got to ask myself, which one, is, which one is the more lasting experience, right? Both of those are awesome, okay? But, but what's going to... Do we want to go theologically? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, go ahead. No, I want to hear you out. I'm listening. That's not my job. Active listening in marriage is really important, guys. <laughs> Sounds good. So if, if we, if we go for, if you go for a walk with Jesus on earth, then you get to share it. You get to share it. And, and, you know, you can bring some people along with that, with that little journey. We're all about community, right? Yeah. I I think that's the one. Jesus. Okay. That one, I, oh, my parents were still fighting (laughs) that one at the end. Um, But we are excited to see what you put. We are excited to join with you in worship. It's going to be an amazing Sunday. Thanks for joining us for pre-roll and uh, hopefully see you at a watch party. Yeah, it's going to be a great Sunday. Yes. today. So glad you would choose to spend your Sunday with us, whether you're at a watch party right now or you're in your home, whether you're in Waterloo or you are in Elmira, whatever this looks like, we're glad that you're here with us. Hope you're doing well. Hope your day is off to a great start. Listen, if you are watching this live at one of our, um, not a watch party, it was like an online watching experience, whatever whatever we call it. Um, If you're watching this online on the church online platform and you have the chat function up right now, there should be a little button in there that says invite. We'd love for you to click on that and invite somebody to the service. Or if you aren't connected to our church and you would like to be, there's going to be another button that pops up. It says connect. We'd love to get to know you. If you're at a watch party, you don't have that option because we don't have a chat there, but you get to chat to the people around you and that's even better. And so it's good to see you guys today. We're going to start our service with a time of worship. And so why don't we, wherever we are, why don't we stand to our feet? Why don't we lean in with expectation of what God is going to do as we worship here together, but we're going to pass it off to the worship team to lead us today. All right, church, so we're going to be singing a new song today, and we're super excited to sing this one, so let's put our hands together. When y'all see the battle, you see my victory. You see a mountain. 
Wait, wait. 
come on. You know, wherever you are, whether you're at a watch party or you're at home or whatever that looks like, why don't you just put your hands together? Why don't you just thank God that we get to that we get to worship him, that we get to come together all across the city, all across the world, and we get to declare who God is. You know, people are thankful today for a community. Someone's thankful that they found a connect group. Someone's thankful for an internship after a long season of waiting. There's people who are thankful that they have had the opportunity to get out of debt. Someone's thankful for warmer weather. Hello, I am with you. Someone's thankful that their car is up and running. We're thanking God that someone got into a dream grad school this week. And listen, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be praising God for in every season. But you know, it's also powerful to come together as a church and pray over the things that are going on in our community, over the prayer requests that have come in over this past week. And listen, if you're thanking God for something, if you need prayer for something, why don't you fill out a praise or prayer card at slatechurch.com slash prayer. We would love to be praying for you as well. But these are just some of the things we're praying for. We're praying that someone's able to be employed for longer than they're expecting. We're praying for someone's sleep as that's been troubling for them for the past little bit. We're praying for someone to experience, uh, uh, who wants their life to be Christ-centered but is experiencing doubt and shame. We're praying for someone who needs rest and comfort in God. We're praying for someone who needs living arrangements for September. Praying for someone experiencing life changes. We're looking for someone's family to come to know Jesus. We're praying that someone would have clarity and peace as they're going forward in decision-making. You know, maybe you can relate to some of these. Maybe you have similar needs. Maybe you have something that's totally different. But even if you haven't submitted a prayer request, we would love to also pray for you. So listen, if you have faith today, why don't you reach a hand towards your screen? And if you have a prayer request of your own, why don't you reach the other hand for it? Just as a symbol of surrender. We're giving this to God who is a way maker. We're giving this to God who is a miracle worker. We are giving this to God, who is the light in the darkness, and we can declare that is who he is today. So I would love to just pray for you right now. God, I thank you so much that we get to declare who you are, that we know your character, that we know your goodness, and we know it comes up over top of any shame or any fear, any doubt, any physical ailment, any situation that we find ourselves in. You are good. You are above it all. And today, Lord, I just pray for peace in difficult situations, God. I pray for clarity in our mindsets and our thoughts, Lord. I, I, I pray that you would just come through, God, in tangible ways. Jesus, we need you, and we thank you, Lord, for all the things that you have done, for all the things that you are doing, God, for the miracles that you are working in people's lives, even now, Lord. We turn to you, we look to you, and we declare who you are. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Let's continue to worship together, church. Amen, church, let's sing even when. And I don't see it, you working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Oh, even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. 
Father. Come on, church. You know, I love that we get to worship together. I love that we get to continue in our worship, in our giving, in our generosity. You know, 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. And in chapter 8, verse 7, he says this, but since you excel in everything. You know, sometimes I feel like that's the case in North America, that there's so many things that we excel in, or so many things that we have the opportunity to excel in. He says, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. You know, I just want to encourage you today, church, that as Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, he's saying, come on, like, let's get going here. Let's get gathering together. Let's do our part. Let's also excel in our giving. And I want to encourage you in the same way today, wherever you're at, you know, part of being a part of this church community. And if you're saying, hey, Slate Church is home, it's taking part in this giving, in this opportunity to say, hey, my finances are not just within myself. My finances are not just for me to hold on to. My finances are actually to give back and forwarding the kingdom of God. And that is a privilege to be a part of. So listen, there's a lot of different ways that you can give today. You can check them out, see what works for you. But I'd love to encourage you to make that commitment. This is a call that started thousands of years ago as the church was just getting off the ground. And it's a call continued today. And there is so much blessing in it. So why don't we just pray quickly over our giving today? Jesus, I thank you so much that we get to give, that we get to be a part of this moment. And Lord, I pray for the finances that come in today. God, would you bless them? Would you work through them, God? Would you bless those who are giving them as well? Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, church, as always, we have a lot going on. But listen, you're going to want to get out your calendar, get out your agenda, write it on your hand, get your partner's arm and write it on their arm because you're going to want to know these dates. You're going to want to know what's coming up. And the first is this. We are launching youth. We are excited for that. It's coming up. Why don't you check out this video for more information on that? We want to see youth from all over the KW region come into a bold relationship with God. Slate Youth is a space where you can connect with like-minded friends and build community. It's a space where you can unapologetically be yourself. A space where you can have fun. A space where you can worship. A space where you can grow in your love of God and His church. A space where you can grow in your faith and learn how to share it with others. the next generation of leaders and the future starts now. Well, hey, how sweet is that? I am so excited. I wish I was 16 years old so I could get in on what is going on with youth here at Slate Church, but unfortunately, I am not. You will not see me there as a teenager. But listen, it's going to be so good. We have other things coming up as well as a church. I cannot wait. We are having worship nights. That's right. Multiple two worship nights called Wonder Reimagined coming up on March 23rd and 24th. You are going to want to register. Be with us live. It's going to be such a phenomenal time gathering together. So listen, if you're listening at the 9 a.m. service, you've got a head start on getting in because of course, space is limited. So check it out, slatechurch.com slash wonder. We're really excited for it. Uh, so make sure that you register today. 
We also have, of course, Easter coming up. We want to put this on your radar. Easter is happening at the beginning of April. We have Good Friday services happening at 9 and 10.30. Our watch party on Good Friday will be at the 9 a.m. just in Waterloo. Register for that. You can get in there and check it out. Also on Easter Sunday, we would just love to celebrate uh, Jesus's resurrection. We're excited about that at 9 and 10.30, of course, online, but also our watch party. So check that out. It's going to be phenomenal. You know, we're also coming up and we wanted to give you the heads up on this early. We are coming into another Heart for the House season. You might be going, didn't we just do Heart for the House in the fall? We did. It was phenomenal. But you might know that every year we typically do Heart for the House in the springtime. And we want to get back to that. We want to get back on that schedule. We have to do that sometime. COVID, of course, threw things kind of for a loop when it came for Heart for the House a year ago because everything was pretty unknown at the time. But we want to get back into that rhythm. But listen, this Heart for the House season is going to be a little bit different because we are also bringing forward so much vision following up the, the This Is Church series. This is going to be tangible vision. These are going to be things that are happening in our church, things that are coming up in our church. So you are going to want to be involved in that. But listen, I also want to encourage you right now as you're doing taxes, maybe getting a tax return, as you're thinking towards your finances in the coming months, why don't you already start praying about, why don't you already start thinking what you could invest in the vision of Slate Church, what you could set aside, what you could pour into in this Heart for the House season. It is going to be fantastic as we sacrifice collectively into what God has in store here at Slate Church. Well, listen, I can't wait for this part of our, our, our night tonight, our day today, whenever you are watching it. I can't wait to hand it over to the interview because it's going to be phenomenal. So Pastor Jared, why don't you take it away? Thank you, Pastor Emma. It's weird, I'm looking at the camera in front of me, but you're also right beside me, so uh, thank you for passing that over. Hey, we've got the interview here. It's gonna be awesome. I'm really excited about it today. We have uh, a special guest with us, so why don't we put our hands wherever we are, if we're in the studio, if we're at watch parties, if we're at home, why don't we put our hands together and welcome TK to the interview today. Come on. <laughs> you ready to go? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, sweet. It's good to see you, uh, TK. Um, you're somebody that's been serving in our church for a little bit now. You just stepped into helping uh, a lot of the sound team figure some stuff out at the studio, and you were actually just back on the board a minute ago and then jumped out here to share a little bit of what God has done in your life. And I know you and I were talking just before this uh, a little bit, trying to like figure out what we're going to talk about and all that stuff. But you had, you had mentioned in uh, when we were just talking back in the vestibule there that you had grown up in church and spent a lot of time around that, but didn't really like take it too seriously. Kind of thought it was something for down the line. Like what, what kind of, what did that look like for you growing up? Yeah, I guess I always just imagined, you know, when I'm like 28, 30 years old and I have a wife and kids, then I'll start taking it seriously. And because right now growing up, you know, you get to high school, you just want to party and I want to have a good time with all my friends. Right. And I was like, okay, I can't do that and be a Christian. So I'll just push back being a Christian until I kind of settle right. my life down a bit. And I think it's so cool. Um, yeah, I started coming to sleep probably a year and a half ago and through a bunch of circumstances in my life, God just humbled me and uh, yeah, just came and he just saved me. And I can't really explain it. I don't know what to say. I, yeah. I, I think the verse that I always talk about, I, I think it's John 9, 25, I believe, but he's just like, man, I don't know. 
I was blind and now I see. Like I, I don't know how to explain it. Like that's just kind of what happened. But so, so you were feeling like you had to basically like wait until you had got out of this like stage or something in life before you could become a Christian. Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I, I think you have all these desires of the flesh to, um, I know, I wanted to, you want to go drink every weekend with your buddies, you want right. to you wanna smoke with all your friends at work, and I was like, I can't be a Christian and do this. Right. So, but what is so cool is that um, I think you don't realize until you are, like, born again that you don't have to change your desires on your own. Once you invite Jesus into your life, He's going to do that for you, and you don't have to worry about doing that on your own will, because you can't. You can't do that. Yeah. Like, Jesus just has to do it for you. Yeah. So was that change, like, kind of, like, overnight for you then, or, like, what did that look like in your life? Yeah, I guess um, kind of coming to Slate and hanging out with a bunch of good people. Yeah. um, Like, surrounding myself with, like, good influences. Um, like Pastor Nate over here. Come on, um, Jenna, Lily, all these people, and Tanner. Yeah. Um, just all these people are just good influences and it's like, okay, these people are Christians and they're normal. I always thought Christians, right. maybe they're like weird or like, <laughs> I, I, never, I didn't really know. Yeah. Um, but it's like, okay, this is like a normal thing. And then I, I don't even remember the question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it was a good, it was a good answer. Okay. So you, you were telling me like a few, a few key things that you wanted to share with people today in the interview. And one of those was just like this idea of like that God changes your desires as you actually make a decision to follow him. Um, I think what's really cool in you that I see is like you're really passionate about um, the Bible and you're like reading like the Bible all the time. But you said something really interesting to me before where you're like, I don't understand how like we were talking about this idea of like you're listening to Pastor Brandon say like, hey, you've got to read your Bible. And you were just saying like, I don't get how people don't have a passion to read their Bible. Like, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I think one thing that's cool is before um, being a Christian, you try to read your Bible and you're just like, man, this is the worst thing I've ever read. This is so dry. This is like, doesn't make any sense. Right. And then as soon as you are saved and you have the Holy Spirit in you, it just like comes alive yeah. and you can't even explain it. You're just reading it like, oh my goodness, stuff's like coming off the page. You're like understanding what it's saying. And yeah. it is like, yeah, it is like a living word. And come on, man. Um, yeah. Until you experience that, I, yeah. you can't explain it. I, yeah. It's dude, it's cool talking to you, man. Cause even when we were talking before, you got almost this like dumbfounded, like, I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to describe it, but God's obviously done something pretty impactful in your life. Um, and what, what I love about you already, like, I don't really know you. We were just chatting a little bit and I know we've got like a coffee on the books here that I've kind of been pushing back. So my bad, and we'll, we'll figure out a time. But, um, but what I, what I, lo- I see in you already is just like, you were saying like, I don't want to just sit with all this stuff that I'm learning right now and what God's doing in me. I want to find a way to outwork that in my life. And that's kind of like the big question that you're asking right now. And so mm-hmm. with an opportunity, even just to share a little bit of your story right now, like if you had to just get one like major thing across to people as we're wrapping up this interview, if you're just like, man, if I'm walking away from me and I want people to understand one thing, like what is that one thing you want people to sit with? Um, I would say just don't wait. And as soon as you surrender, he's going to change your heart and he's going to take control and you don't have to worry about fixing yourself. He's going to transform you and you just have to surrender and he's going to do all the work, I would say. (laughs) Don't wait, just like, just do it. Yeah. You were were telling me before and you were like, um, I don't know why I waited so long. I wish I could tell myself all this stuff when I was like two years old. So I just got the jump start on it. But Uh, it's cool, man. It's really inspiring to see what God's doing in your life right now. I think for 
uh, people who have made a decision to follow Jesus like years ago, like there's a tendency if we're not careful to lose like the wonder of what God can do in our life and to see the wonder of what God is doing in your life so alive is super encouraging to me. And so I want to thank you for sharing your testimony. And I'm excited for as you begin to build deeper relationships here, letting that passion for God spill out over to the people around you. Thanks for sharing your testimony today. I'm excited thank to see how it impacts people in our church, man. Well, hey, listen, I'm excited to pass it over to Pastor Nate to walk us through our word of the week. And this is a part of our service where we take a moment to break down an idea or a word or a concept in scripture or in our faith and understand a little bit more about what it means for us in our day in and day out life. So I'm going to toss it over to him. Can we give it up for Pastor Nate? Awesome. Thanks so much, Pastor Jared. Wasn't it so great getting to hear a bit of TK's story? This is a guy who's been in my connect group for a while, who I've gotten to do some life with. And I actually think he's a great example of somebody who embodies the phrase that we're going to be talking about this week, which is God-fearing. I think sometimes as Christians, we hear this phrase, uh, God-fearing or the fear of God, and we're a little bit confused by it. We're a little bit thrown off. It's like, I get what fear is. Like, that's like scary stuff, like the boogeyman or whatever. And I get, I think I kind of know who God is. Uh, you know, I, I think I have a bit of an understanding of, of who God is. And, and But I just like, is, am I supposed to think of God like the boogeyman? Am I supposed to be scared of him? Like, what does this actually mean when the Bible calls us to be God-fearing? And I think that the actual problem that we have is we actually have a bit of a wrong definition of both the words fear and the word God or who God is. See, when, when we see this word fear in the Bible, it's a little different than how we know it today. Uh, I think the definition has narrowed a bit to really just be things that go bump in the night, stuff that freaks us out or scares us. But when we read fear in the Bible, this word actually means a little bit more. It has a greater depth. It doesn't just mean things that we're afraid of, but it actually means a sense of awe and wonder and reverence and an understanding that this thing that we have a fear of is actually so powerful and amazing. Uh, it's so much, uh, it's so, it's so far beyond what we could understand or even comprehend. It has this richer meaning to this word fear. And I also think sometimes we struggle when we characterize God. We're like, man, I'm supposed to have a fear of God, but, but I thought God is love and love casts out fear. So this doesn't make sense to me. And I think that we run into an issue when we try to characterize God within our human understanding of, of, of power, of intelligence, of, and of character. See, I think it's kind of like my little cockapoo Chewy. Uh, Chewie's adorable. He's about 12 pounds. And sometimes I think he thinks that he's the leader of our pack. He's like, yeah, I'm in charge. I'm going to protect the house. I'm going to bark at this bigger dog. And it's like, dude, you're a chew toy to that dog. And I can pick you up whenever I want. He just doesn't understand. He just doesn't get the gap that exists there. And I think for us, we start to characterize God within human terms. We don't fully understand the magnitude of his character, of his love, of who he is. And we actually miss out on the beauty of submitting ourselves to God. You see, this idea of, of fearing God, of being a God-fearing person, it's actually about having a humility and an understanding of the awesomeness, the wonder, the power, the magnificence of, the, of God that's actually far beyond what we can even understand in human terms and actually living our lives out of a position and a posture of submission and humility, knowing God is above all, he's greater than what we can understand. And we're gonna let that influence how we read our our Bible. We're going to let that influence how we pray. We're going to let that influence how we make decisions in our life, knowing that he is above our thinking and above our perspectives. 
Awesome. I hope that this definition of God-fearing helps you out, that you can apply that in your life. Uh, and I'm so excited for the rest of this Sunday. It's already been an amazing service. Uh, worship was so incredible. The interview, everything has been awesome. And I'm so excited that now we're going to be jumping in to our message portion. So why don't you join me in welcoming Pastor Brandon as he brings our message today. Well, Slate Church, here we go. Here's the message. What an incredible worship time. And I'm just continually, uh, continually impressed is probably the wrong word, but thankful for our worship team who's evidently meeting with God in their own place, in their own quiet place, and bringing the overflow of that to us to lead us into worship. And so why don't we just thank the worship team right now, wherever you find yourself, whether you're watching in the watch parties, if you are... Uh, if you're watching live on our, on our online platform, why don't you just drop a little comment in the comment section. Thank them. And my clock is now way over there. Um, so you're going to see me doing this. Not that it matters, right? You know, um, was watching a preacher today and uh, he's like, I got three minutes left. And this was 82 minutes into his message. And he went on for, uh, Jared, he went on for another 15 minutes. Jared's like, I got to go. Like, I can't even spare the three minutes. He went on for another 15 minutes. And so that's going to be the style of this message. Okay, listen, I don't got a fancy title for you. We'll probably put up a different title online just so that the clicks are better on our YouTube page. But I want you to write down this title if you're listening to this live because I want the title to be Count the Cost and Carry the Cross. It's simple, but it's going to communicate what I want it to. And so we're going to read out of Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35, and I'm going to speak as fast as I can because there's a lot I want to communicate today. There's a lot I believe God has been putting on my heart to share with us today, and I hope it comes across that way. So large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, get this, Jesus should have preached at more of our church growth conferences. This is his way of growing the church because large crowds are traveling with him, and this is how he decides to grow the, grow the church, Okay. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, everybody say hate. <laughs> not a word you hear in church a whole lot. Sometimes something people feel from the church a whole lot. Different message, different topic. I'm going to leave that right there. If they does not hate their father and mother, wife and children, sorry, Emma, Kenzie, Theo and Claire, brothers and sisters, sorry, Taylor, Courtney, yes, even their own life. It's okay, big guy. Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I want to read the rest of this because it's important. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider if he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? 
Stay salty, church. It is fit neither for the soil nor the manure pile it is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Can we pray, church? Jesus, may you bless this message. It's what we need to hear your words and not my words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, I believe in miracles. Do you believe in miracles? I believe in miracles. I always got like a little jingle going around in my head. It's probably because my wife walks around her house all day singing random songs. Yeah, like she basically narrates our life with song. And uh, neither of us are singers, so you can just imagine how exciting our household is. But uh, I love modern-day miracles, and sometimes they come in different forms. But one of these miracles in our lives, one of these uh, outpourings of God doing something that we couldn't do was actually the way that we ended up at Maxwell's. And some of you might not know that uh, Emma and I, uh, at one point, pastored a church called The Embassy. And that is actually how we ended up at Maxwell's. And it was a student church that we ended up winding down and everything else, and, and we launched Slate alongside Luke and Victoria. But during that time, uh, I was going to a concert of one of our students here at Maxwell's. It was on the small side. And, um, and anyway, I was listening to this concert, and, uh, and uh, I walked over. I just kind of like was uh, curious. The place, I was like, this is kind of cool. And I walked over, and I saw this big side that they weren't playing on. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have church here? And I, I felt almost a still, small voice in me say, you are going to have church here. Well, while I'm checking out the other side... All of a sudden, the owner comes up right beside me. And without me even really knowing, he was there. And he's like, can I help you? And I was like, uh, yeah, like I, I, I want to rent your space. And he gave me a price, and, I, and immediately my heart sunk. And I thought, well, this is never going to happen. Well, by the end of that conversation, the owner, Paul, had actually talked himself down without me ne negotiating at all. He's like, well, maybe we could do it for this. And I was thinking, actually, maybe we could do that. And if you guys did this, and we could And I was just watching this guy negotiate the worst possible deal for himself as I just sat there, and he gave us a quarter of the price that he initially gave us. Now, I think that's pretty miraculous. And when we're talking about counting the cost, I was like, well, we'll pay that, you know? And I think it's kind of amazing because that's what enabled us to get into Maxwell's. And we've been here actually for five years, longer than Slate. It's been kind of amazing. And one of the things that you need to know, even just through your generous giving, is that even through COVID, not only did Paul at one point give us a generous deal that allowed us to be here, but as time went on and we started paying a little bit more, one of the things we were actually able to do for Paul through the, the pandemic and Maxwell's, we were actually able to carry the bills for a season when then it had no concerts. And that's what enabled Maxwell's to actually get through the hardest part of the pandemic because of your generosity and because of God's faithfulness and because of what God's been doing through this. I think it's absolutely miraculous. You see, sometimes you count the cost and you go, how can we ever afford that? It's actually worth paying it because you don't know where it's gonna go. Now listen, I bring this all up to say that sometimes when we approach Jesus, we think the cost is way too high and we can't see further into the future than a few years and we think, I can't possibly live a life that involves that kind of cost. But you gotta count the cost in order to carry the cross. We've gotta understand that in the gospel, Jesus is not trying to present a glorious view of what it looks like to accept his, 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 um, his uh, following him, but he's actually trying to give us a realistic view so that we don't bait and switch people and somehow people find themselves in the midst of it like what's going on, but he gives us a realistic view so we understand the journey we're setting off into. Making disciples is really easy to understand. It's asking others to follow us as we follow Jesus. I want to lay out three quick reasons why I think that people have a problem, even in our modern-day church today, 
making disciples. And the first one is because people trying to make disciples aren't actually disciples. Because that might be hard hitting today. But for some of us, we have no drive to make disciples because we are not being discipled by Jesus. What's the problem? It's an authority problem. Some of us want to accept the salvation of Jesus without accepting the lordship of Jesus. See, we want everything. We want all the benefits we think he promises, forgetting that he actually requires of us to start living out out of our salvation. See, I think that we need to understand that if we don't accept his authority over our lives, we will reject his authority when we're trying to make disciples. And when we begin to reject his authority, we begin to make things up in the ways that we want it to be rather than the way he wants it to be. This is when we start questioning his views on marriage. It's when we start questioning his views on sexuality. It's when we start questioning his views on what is a part of salvation and what isn't. And does this really mean you're saved? And does hell really exist? And we start to do these things because we're not actually disciples of Jesus. See, a disciple is merely a student or an apprentice that sits under the teaching long enough that their teaching becomes ours. But for some of us, we want to sit under the name of Jesus while coming up with our own brand of Jesus to teach to the world around us. Some of us are unable to make disciples because we're not actually being made into disciples. I better check with my wife before I continue the rest of this message. Is this okay? Are we going to get fired? Second point is, as hard-hitting as the first, because we got to understand why this is so hard for us to go make disciples. I, I, I have a hard time understanding why in an age where we have thousands upon thousands of podcasts about Jesus and Christianity and how to grow the church and how to grow your faith and books upon books and marketing teams pushing out worship albums and all the rest of this stuff, why we are not making more disciples in North America. We are shuffling the sheep, but we're not making more disciples. Come on, it's time to wake up and say, hey, do we want to be a part of the renewal and the revival that God is going to bring to Canada? Or do we want to sit idly by and watch somebody else do it from some other nation that God had to send here in order to do what he's been calling us to do all along? Not in my backyard. Come on, welcome the nations. That's not what I'm saying. But for those of us that were born here, do we really want to wait for somebody else to come and bail us out? Or do we want to answer the call to make Disciples. Is it still good? Secondly, I think one of the problems is that the cost of discipleship may seem too high to some. But I want to warn you that the cost of non-discipleship is even higher. The cost of discipleship is high. But the cost of not making disciples is even higher. You see, what we begin to do in this, uh, in, in, in this scenario is we actually begin to avoid The fact that Jesus has called us to disciples. So we are being discipled ourselves, but we're okay with others being discipled by the world. (laughs) See, disciple is merely a student. And for those that we're meant to make disciples of, if we're not discipling them, they're being discipled by something. And as I said in the very first message of this series, this is church series. If we're not being discipled by Jesus, we are being discipled by the world. Church, we need to understand that if the world is going in a direction that we don't want to see, it is not the world's problem, it is the church's problem. We need to stop relying on politicians to change things that we know only the heart of Jesus in a surrendered individual can actually change. 
Come on, we're waiting on people that have not surrendered their lives to Jesus to do something for our world that only Jesus can do. And that's the why, why it's the, uh, the job of the church to actually get on the ground, get nitty and gritty, get in the dirt, get in the mire, get in the clay, and actually walk with people and see the transformation that we want to see. Jesus didn't come into politics. Jesus came as a servant. Man, are we willing to disciple the world around us? Are we going to continue to fold our hands and wonder why the prayer still isn't even in schools? As I said for a long time, I don't, I don't actually think that we need prayer within the schools. But as I heard one preacher say today, we need to start getting prayer back into the homes. And then prayer within the schools will actually take care of itself. Because we'll start sending out students and kids into the schools that are praying. Come on, the discipleship. The cost of discipleship may seem high, but the cost of non-discipleship is even higher. Third point, I think a lot of us want discount discipleship. <laughs> hey, is discipleship on sale this month because I just want to buy a little bit of it? Some of us just want discount discipleship, and it may seem easier in the short run, but it's actually harder to buy real discipleship, the actual thing, in the long run. I was uh, listening to this same preacher, and... Uh, he was talking about this example that there was this woman and she had this Rottweiler and she shows up to a dog convention and she's at the dog convention with a Rottweiler and Rottweilers are the worst dogs in the world. If you have a Rottweiler, they're cool. But they almost bit me one time. <laughs> they, all of them, at once. Every single one of them almost bit me at one time. Now I was scared of a couple of Rottweilers in my neighborhood growing up, so I don't like them. Anyway, the woman's there with the Rottweiler and and uh, the story is going to seem somewhat inhumane, so sorry, Peter. But uh, um, somebody comes up to the woman, and they go, the, your Rottweiler looks funny. <laughs> and she looks at a Rottweiler, and she's like, I don't think so. Like, yeah, you're supposed to cut off the Rottweiler's tail when, when it's young. And she goes, oh. So the next year, she shows back up to the conference, and uh, the same person walks up to her, and she says, what's wrong with your Rottweiler? And she said, well, I cut off the tail. And she said, no, no, no. You're not supposed to cut off the tail halfway. You're supposed to cut it off right at the rump, right at the, right at the butt. And she goes, well, no, no, no. I, 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 that would be inhumane. I'm getting there. But, but, but to just cut it off. I've been, every, every month I take off two inches. But, 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 but look, can we just imagine this for a second? Because I think there's a strong point in here. That some of us, we want to be discipled over time. Hey, next year, I'll do a little bit more of this. And then, you know, my goals for 2023 are to surrender a little bit more of this. And when I get to this point in my life, I'm going to give up a little bit more of that addiction. And when I get to this point, I'm going to start loving my wife the way that Jesus has commanded me to love my spouse. And so, therefore, I'm just going to wait a little bit. And what we're doing is we're just chopping off a little bit of discipleship at a time, forgetting that it's actually costing us more over time. See, I love the example that Francis Chan gives, another incredible man of God in the church today. And, and he gives this example of a poker table. And I don't know why he's giving this example, because gambling is wrong. Francis Chan. <laughs> Francis is watching this right now. And sorry, Francis, I, I'm going to move on. But he gives this example of the poker table. And he says, hey, when you sit down at the table in the early minutes of the game, it's really easy to go all in, isn't it? But all of a sudden, you're sitting at the table a little bit longer. You win some hands, and your poker chips start to stack up. It becomes a lot harder to go all in. 
And for some of us, we're waiting to go all in in our faith, and I'm about to tell you it's not going to get easier, single person, when all of a sudden you have somebody else that disagrees with how all in you should be. And then all of a sudden you have a kid and another kid and another kid, and you're Mennonites, so you have another and another and another and another. And it's so much harder to go all in, and all of a sudden you get a house instead of just renting. And all of a sudden you get a car, and you get a second car. And then you buy a cottage, and you get a boat. And at what point are you going to go all in? Because it doesn't get any easier. You're trying to chop the tail off over time, and it's causing you more pain because Jesus already warned us, you need to count the cost before you carry the cross. It's so much easier if we just decide, listen, I'm not going to avoid the homeless in our world. I'm actually going to deal with it right now. I'm not going to avoid race issues. I'm not going to pretend like Black History Month didn't happen because I want to avoid all the awkward conversations. I'm going to actually step in and deal with my lust. I'm actually going to treat my wife with respect. It actually costs more to deal with these things later than to deal with them now. And I'm just going to take a few extra moments today because I want to get into, after we get past the problem of discipleship and why we have a hard time entering into discipleship with Jesus, we actually got to get to this point where we actually understand that we've counted the cost of discipleship. What happens after you count the cost? Well, in Luke chapter 14, verse 25, Jesus is offering this up, and he, he gives us instructions of how to count the cost. And he says, if anyone to come up to me and does not hate mother, father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even their own life, that person can't be the disciple. Listen, we need to get real. I spent two hours this past week studying the word hate so that I didn't bring you a false gospel. That's, that's, a, that's a real thing. I spent all that time. You're going to be like, I already know the answer is great, but I wanted to make sure that what I'm sharing with you is real because I want to make sure that we have real disciples coming out of this church. And the word hate, the thing that we need to understand is that obviously Jesus does not want us to literally hate our father and mother. We know this because likely Philip and Peter, both disciples of Jesus, had wives and children. In fact, tradition tells us that Peter's wife was, um, was martyred before him, uh, before Peter's infamous uh, hanging on the cross upside down because he didn't want to uh, be uh, crucified in the exact same way as Jesus. And so we know that they had families. We know that um, uh, the conditions for elders within the church, leaders within the church, were to be married, uh, mar- married men. With, uh, with, with children that behave. So we know that, obviously, uh, th- that's the thing. We know that Jesus uh, vehemently opposed uh, divorce except for adultery. So obviously, he's not looking for these men to divorce their wives to follow him, um, uh, his early disciples. Paul referred harshly to men that can't feed their, their children. So listen, we know that it means that you, you're not supposed to not have anything to do with them. But it begs the question, then what does it mean? And we get a clue in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. He says, whoever loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And we all breathe a sigh of relief. We're like, okay, I don't have to hate my father. Some of us are like, oh, shoot, I, I ran out of excuses now of doing that. But it, but it, but, but it but it's still speaking something very cutting to our culture today. Luke chapter 16, verse 13, I think gives us the best glimpse into what this means. And it says this, it's talking about money, but it says no one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Here is the clue as to how to be disciples in the world that we live in. It's about prioritizing what we need to put first, predetermining your priorities. Have you predetermined your priorities before coming to Jesus? Because we obviously know that Luke 16 isn't saying don't do it, have anything to do with money. The disciples had money. Jesus would have had money. There was a treasurer on his discipleship team to take care of what? Bread? No, money. So you know that money, listen, just because you're supposed to serve God over money doesn't mean you're not supposed to have money. Just because you're supposed to serve Christ doesn't mean that you're not supposed to have family. But the predetermining of your priorities absolutely matters. In this way, the way that the Jews would have used the word love and hate, love meant loving first and hate meant uh, uh, loving second. But so many times I see the thing that comes between us and discipleship is the things that we love in this world getting ahead of who God is. The things that God has given us getting ahead of him. The created getting ahead of the creator. You see, so many of us, we run into problems in our marriages because we put our spouse before God. You see this so often within the church when a young couple gets engaged and it's the first thing they do is hightail it out of the church as if they didn't need the place where they met. You see this all the time when a husband or, or a wife marries their spouse and all of a sudden they, they fall out of love with their spouse and it's like, well, if you were first loving Jesus, it becomes a lot easier to love your spouse. So we need to predetermine our priorities before we walk into relationship and discipleship with Jesus or we will always find ourselves wondering why God wants to be first in our life rather than understanding that when we look at our marriages and our families and our possessions and the things that God's given us and even the church through the lens of loving God, all of a sudden things are brought into right priority. All of a sudden things are brought into right order and all of a sudden we get ourselves on a firm foundation by which we might lead others into a relationship with Jesus. We need to count the cost and carry the cross. Can I remind us today, church, in the This Is Church series, that this world is looking for a church that is not so in love with the world that it forgets that Jesus needs, uh, that the world needs Jesus. The world is not looking for a better version of itself. The world is looking for the kingdom that Jesus came to establish, and we are a part of building alongside him. We are the kingdom that he came to die for. We are the, the church. We are the bride that he's coming back for. My encouragement to us today, church, is to count the cost. It's not an option whether or not if we call Jesus Lord and Savior. It's not an option whether or not we will go out and make disciples. And for some of us, we need to actually take some time today to say, you know what, why is it that I have such a hard time um, attempting to obey this command by which I've been given? Church, I believe that we've got a glorious future ahead of us. I believe that the best days of the church in Canada are still ahead of us. I'm sitting here right now and one more thick quote I'll bring from that message. It was obviously on my heart as I was prep prepping today. But one more quote I'll give is, is, I will not leave the city until two moves happen. One, a move of God. 
And second, the devil moving out of this city. We will fight. We will we'll fight for our own backyard. We will reach out with the love of Jesus. We'll come with an alternative way of living, a countercultural way of living. And we will see in this great province that we live in, Jesus be made famous. I wonder today if you're watching and maybe you never made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe you've only seen some people that do follow Jesus kind of only going halfway in and you're wondering like, as you're listening to this, no, I, I want the whole thing. If that's you today, I wanna just pray for you. In a moment, there'll be some extra um, directions given to you, but I wanna pray for you. If that's you, you can either click the button if you're watching live on our live platform to say, hey, I wanna indicate, raise, I wanna raise my hand. I wanna indicate that I wanna make this decision. If you're watching at a watch party, you can just lift up your hand right now. If you're watching alone or on demand, you can just make this decision in your heart and I wanna pray for you. Jesus, for everybody that's making this decision today, to count the cost to follow you, to put their old ways behind you, to believe that you died on a cross for their sin, to bring you back into a relationship with the creator, back into a relationship with, uh, with, 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 with our father so that we don't have to pay the price of sin that you already paid for us, so we can just receive what you did for us. For anybody making that decision right now, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be on them and would be with them in your name. Amen. If you're watching today and... Maybe you're just feeling a little conviction. This message is not meant to bring guilt. It's not meant to bring shame. Those two things don't belong in God's heads. But if you're feeling convicted today, and maybe you're going, you know what? I need to count the cost again. If that's you, I've been getting us to stand up recently, but I'm just gonna ask that you'd stand up. Stand up with me as I begin to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you so much that you're speaking to our church, that God, you're encouraging us to stand up and, and to, to realize that this is going to cost us something. That the gospel isn't there to just make us successful or, or, or get us stuff or, or make us look better than the Joneses. But God, you're, you're, you died on a cross to actually give us a radically different way to live this life. To trust in the creator in a way that God previously was impossible to do. And Jesus, right now, as we're standing up and we're counting the cost and new dreams are flooding in and a call and a pull and a tug on our spirit and a name and a face, a person just dropped into our spirit that we know we need to reach out to. God, I pray that this would begin to happen all over our church. Stories of people beginning to reach out and reach out and to, and, and to, to, to lift up the name of Jesus and to speak it to others and bring others into the love of Christ. Jesus, I pray for renewal. I pray for revival over our church in your name and everybody said amen 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 if you're not already standing why don't we begin to stand as we begin to worship as we close off this service together come on church i really encourage you to turn your heart to jesus right now i feel like that he just he really wants to meet with you
Can just continue to play. I'm going to call an audible. We've never done this uh, yet in uh, in COVID since we've been online. But honestly, I believe that we really need to start following the Holy Spirit no matter what he tells us to do. This might jack up the YouTube algorithm. This might jack up watch parties. I don't know. But I believe that we can have a good old-fashioned altar call right now. I don't, I don't think this moment actually needs to end. There's no rule that says we've got to cut this off after an hour. I, I, in fact, I want to provide an opportunity right now to just say, uh, we're not done here today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, the best thing you can do is go to our website, fill out an online connect card, slatechurch.com, fill it out. Let us know that you just made a decision. Somebody will follow up with you right now. But guys, I actually believe today's a Sunday where we actually begin to count the cost as a church. I believe right now in my spirit that there's some people that need to give up something that's had a grip on them for too long. Whether that be something like pornography, whether that be something like actually cheating on your spouse, uh, whether that be something like video games. I, I, I'm feeling like in the midst of COVID, in order to cope with COVID, some of us have been taking on baggage in our lives that we need to surrender right now. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm asking you right now to take account of what you've been holding on that's been keeping you separated from Jesus. I'm actually, I'm actually asking you to count the costs right now. And what I'm asking you to do, the band's actually going to continue to play. If you've got to turn off this stream right now because you got somewhere to be, I don't know where you got to be. If you're in Ontario, we're still in red zone, but we're going to continue this on for another 10 minutes at least. We're just going to have the worship team begin to play and begin to worship out of their hearts and what God's speaking to them. But I'm encouraging you right now to count the cost of what's going on. Wherever you find yourself, if you need to give something up, I don't know what it is. I'm asking you to get on your knees and begin to surrender to God. Come on, right now, even in the studio, if you have something that you need to give up to God, I'm not telling you to get on your knees, but if that's something, you're just going, you know what? I've been holding on to this for too long. I've been holding on to shame. I've been holding on to guilt. I've been holding on to envy. I've been holding on to jealousy. I've been holding on com to comparison. I've been holding on to carnal things. I've been holding on to this. I, whatever it might be, just fall to your knees right now and just give it up to God. Come on, can we worship again, worship team?
Hey church, um, I just want to pray over families right now. If you're at a watch party and you have your family nearby, why don't you just, this is the crew that you've been able to actually be in close contact with. I just can't help but think that even during this time for some of us, that we just need some healing in our families. Maybe for you, your family during this time or the people that you live with, our roommates and that sort of thing. Whoever you've been bubbling with over the last little while, we've been through a lot. Come on, can we just begin to pray over the families in our church? Jesus, we're so thankful for our families. We're so thankful for the people that we live with. And Jesus, right now, God, we've just been through a year. There is hope on the horizon that things are going to be able to change and we can come out of our hibernation. We have hope for that. But God, we've been through some stuff over this past year and I'm praying for healing. I'm praying for encouragement. I'm praying, God, that your spirit would reside in our homes once again. And for those of us that haven't been, not been inviting you in, but we've been pushing you out, God, right now, I am praying that, God, you would be welcomed back in to restore, to heal, to build up. God, I pray that, God, you would be glorified in our homes. Jesus. Jesus. pray for anybody right now that might be struggling with fear. You know, media over the last year has been on a fear campaign. And I understand why it might have been necessary early in March of last year. You know, the day that we're recording this is exactly a year to when they um, proclaim this thing a pandemic. And for a lot of us, it's actually been a pandemic of the mind for about a year. We've been struggling with fear. If that's you, why don't you just lift up your hand wherever you find yourself. I want to pray for you. If you're struggling with fear or anxiety, sometimes fear manifests itself as anxiety. If that's you, could you just lift up a hand? I want to pray for you right now. Jesus, for anybody struggling right now with, with fear and anxiety, God, I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would come into their situation, that you would come into where they are, that you would come in, Lord, like a rushing wind. We know sometimes you come like a whisper in the air. I'm praying that you would come in like a rushing wind through their spirit, God, through their mind right now. Allow them to be able to take back what the enemy has tried to steal from them over this last season. God, may you give your church peace as you had promised us. Anybody who is filled with anxiety, come to me. You say, God, we come to you right now. We proclaim peace in our minds in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Finally, just as we gear up to close with Mighty to Save, because it's my favorite song. Hey, it's been the easiest season ever to invite people to church. And yet for some of us, we, we've gone months without reaching out to family and friends and neighbors out of the excuse that we're just supposed to be quarantining. You know, every day we're on social media, every day we're texting people, every day we're on Zoom calls. We're not putting the same tenacity into seeing lost souls come into the family of Christ as we're putting into all these other areas of figuring out how to cope with a pandemic. Right now, I just want you to, I want you to bring to mind everybody listening to my voice right now who calls upon the name of Jesus. I want you to bring to mind one person. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Just say, God, who, who is it that you would have me reach out to this week?
one. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I think what Jesus is doing in the This Is Church series is he's raising up a whole host of workers for the harvest field that's about to come in for us here in Slate Church in Ontario. I believe it with all my heart. Come on, can we begin to pray over those names? Jesus, you are awakening something in your church. You are awakening something here in, at Slate Church. I'm just thankful to be a part of the ride. Jesus, I'm just so thankful that you have put a burden on so many people's hearts for the lost in our church. And God, we're not giving up right now. God, we're in the midst of a pandemic where our government's telling us to stay away from people. And yet we know right now that your Holy Spirit can draw closer to people than ever before. And so right now, as a name or a face or a person is being dropped on our spirits, God, I pray you would give us the boldness that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit to reach out this week and to begin to reach out with the message and the hope of Jesus and whatever form that needs to take. God, I pray that we would act with obedience and boldness this week. Come on, church, are you expecting of what God's doing in our church right now? I don't know how you're watching this. I know it's going a little bit longer, but come on, can we res resolve in this moment that we won't take another step unless the Spirit of God goes with us? Come on, let's begin to worship with everything that we've got. Let's sing out. Let's lift up a, a, a shout of praise in this place. Come on, come on, let's worship, team. Savior. Savior, he can move the man. 
Come on, church. What, what a great time together. You know, there's something powerful. It doesn't matter if we're across the screen. It doesn't matter if we're gathered all together. It doesn't matter what that looks like because Jesus still works. The Holy Spirit can meet you exactly where you're at, and I believe that today he has. You know, if you want more information about Slate Church, fill out a connect card online, get involved, ask your questions. We would love to be in touch with you. But let's not leave this place or click the close on that video or whatever that looks like without acknowledging and recognizing that the Holy Spirit is with you, that Jesus knows who you are, that Jesus has a plan for you and a purpose for you. So wherever you're at with whatever's going on, just remember today that there is breakthrough for you, that God is mighty to save. He is the author of salvation. He has conquered the grave and we can live victorious because of that. Listen, church, we're going to go on and we're going to have a great week. We're going to sign up for the Wonder Worship Night. It's going to be fantastic. There's so many great things ahead. But I just want to encourage you that this is significant. God is good and he is for you. Have an awesome week ahead.